3: This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on V
2: Hour number two of the Lombardi Line presented by Ben MGM. Dave Ross alongside Wes Reynolds here at South Point Casino in Las Vegas. Cannot wait to see what transpires this week on the PGA Tour in Hartford as they get ready for the Travelers playing. And again, there's been a lot of talk after the U.S. Open. Won by Matthew Fitzpatrick on Sunday. Feels like a year ago mm-hmm. with Brooks Kepka now reportedly. Yeah, it's like weekend. remember him, right? <laughs> remember that guy that won it. What you had? A, you won that uh, at a pretty good number too. would you get? Yeah,
3: thirty-four to one on <laughs> Fitzpatrick. Had him, Zalatoris, and Rom basically one, two, three going in the round. Rom faded a little bit on Sunday, and then Fitzpatrick was right there. I was kind of hoping for a playoff actually between those two, those two young guns. Uh, well, Zalatoris, by the way, back to back runners up now. Amazing in in the majors. So look, and I even tweeted kind of, you know, somewhat sarcastically, but somewhat, you know, Telling truth here, too. It's like, so we'll meet here again in four weeks on Will Zalatoris at the old course at St. Andrews. And it's like, why not? And and I was having the
2: game, the game is there.
3: Yeah. I was having this discussion actually with uh, one of our senior producers here at VSIN, Kelly Bidlin, who also does very well in golf betting, was Mm -hmm. also aboard Matt Fitzpatrick for his uh, first win here on American soil at the U.S. Open. But we were talking about, okay, is Zalatoris going to kind of get into Xander syndrome a little bit? Because Xander Schauffele, you look, you know, like it looks really. Good on Wikipedia when you look at that majors record. I was on X Men. All all the top fives and whatnot. But when you really examine them a little bit more closely, and that's not to say Xander's not a great player and not going to win one of these things very, very soon. But a lot of times he's a little bit backdoorish at these top five mm-hmm. finishes at majors. Whereas Will's outdoor has been in the fight. Oh, he's there. You know, basically about three times over the last few majors. Because remember, he was right in it with Matsuyama mm-hmm. back in 2001 in the Masters. And that was the last time Xander, I think, was a real contender at a major where he was right in the fight, you know, on the lead or just off the lead. So. That's what you got to look at, and and that's why I'm going to continue probably going with Will Zalatoris. You know, maybe get your heart broken again. I know (laughs) he's broken the hearts of a lot of backers this year, but... I think, you know, there's something to be said with sticking with the guy as well. That's kind of what I did with Matt Fitzpatrick. I bet him a lot this year. Paid and he's off. been getting top tens and top fives, just hadn't broken through, finally did at the country club last weekend.
2: Well, then let's talk about the X-Man a little bit more here as we get ready for the uh, Travelers because he is in this field, and it's a pretty darn good field even though uh, guys like Justin Thomas and Brooks Kepke will not be there for different reasons. And you look at the group, and this is low score that uh, BetMGM has offered for you over the 72-hole the uh, weekend here. X-Man right now is the smallest favorite in Group B, and that would be against Sanjay M, Jordan Speeth back in this field here, Joaquin Neiman, who's very interesting, and you know all about his firepower uh, from Chile, and then you've got Tony Finau, who is the long shot, I put that in air quotes, at 5-1. to one. I mean, I, I would like Xander. I understand why he's the favorite, mm-hmm. but, boy, when chipping and putting could be in vogue, my eyes do go to Jordan Spieth here.
3: Right. And look, Jordan Speef, by the way, a former winner here at the travelers back in uh, 2017. So you would think, I mean, I know a little bit disappointing that the U S open and Speef's kind of been a little hit or miss this year. He it's has been, been basically a lot of miss in the majors, but look, <laughs> did we think he was going to win the following week at the RBC heritage? I certainly didn't. And he wins in a playoff over Patrick can So Speef at least got a win on a Pete die course. Of course, Harbor town is a Pete die course, much like TPC river highlands is here in uh Cromwell, Connecticut. So looking at that, I, I, Shafley wouldn't be who I would go with here. I do have a couple futures plays already that happen to be matched up in this group and that's Sun J.M. and Joaquin Neiman. Oh. M. was one of those guys you know, we're patting ourselves on the back for getting Matthew Fitzpatrick right, but I did have half of my players that I played missed the cut last week. Yeah, but too, you got the so winner. Yeah, yeah. So we, so we don't talk about that, no. so that. So that lead absolutely gets buried <laughs> and one of those guys that missed the cut was Sun J.M. Yeah. Yeah, and f- Sanjay, I thought, had really played well. He had five top 20 finishes or better coming into the U.S. Open, missed the cut on the number, but – This is a guy that I think could go well just uh, in terms of off the tee and stroke gained around the green. He's top 10 in both of those categories in this field this week. So him and probably a a Joaquin Neiman is who I would be looking at. Joaquin Neiman, by the way, has a very good finish here on debut. Mm He's fifth in 2019. I think this guy a much different player now that he's got that win at the Genesis Invitational where we were aboard him earlier this year and, you know, in the range of about 60-something to one. So so, M and Neiman would probably be the two guys I would go with out of that group.
2: You know, I always say this, and Wes, I know this is something that sometimes you say, well, at majors, maybe this isn't your, your cup of tea. But I do think it's important to try to find and identify what we think the scores might be. Because mm-hmm. if it's going to be a birdie fest, right, like where do you anticipate the score range to be? Because there's certain guys on harder golf courses, like a Matthew Fitzpatrick last week, and I thought you identified that perfectly, obviously, when you have the winner at 34 to 1. Matty Fitz, I'm not looking him to shoot 24 under in a right. random tournament, but right. I like him on a harder golf course yeah. where it's grinder, it's tighter. You got to hit fairways and greens, right? If he can be a little bit more loosey goosey mm-hmm. and still make birdies then it brings in different players into play. Where would you anticipate this score possibly to be to try to identify that number in players? If
3: you look at like recent years in terms of uh, where this score has been, because there are birdie opportunities, even though this rough is fairly thick, so you do got to hit fairways. This is a short golf course, so everybody's thinking, oh, it's super easy. There are some trouble lurking here, and that's why you usually don't see the winner get to like 20 under here. It's usually kind of in the mid-teens. Last year, Harris English won in that eight-hole playoff over Kramer Hickok he was 13 under bar DJ in 2020 went 19 that's been the lowest score probably in well over a decade but 17 under 17 under 12 under for speed, 14 under 16 under 15 under 12 under 14 under in 2012 so I'm going back about the last 10 years so you know when you look at this Dave you're probably mid-teens I would say 15 under, 16 under, somewhere around there. Because what you often see here, you'll get some really super low rounds here. The lowest round ever shot on the PGA Tour was Jim Jim Furyk. Furyk. You know, a few years ago when he shot 58, when 59 was the record here, it was 2016 when Jim shot that. And Patrick Cantlay, I mentioned a little bit earlier, shot 60 as an amateur here back in 2011. That's the lowest round on the PGA Tour ever shot by what was then an amateur player. So you look, you're going to see those low rounds, but it's not like, you know, one of those score fests or those birdie fests where it's like, okay, you got a 61 or a 62. You don't follow that up with a similar round. And then the next day you shoot like 70 and barely break par. (laughs) So that's what you have here. So I think mid teens probably where you're going to be on a winning score.
2: I love that because again, I think that helps you handicap and identify which guys could go super low if potential to get to that double digit 15 under 16 under range. Let's go to group C here that Ben MGM has. And, again, I've already mentioned one of the guys here who's the longest shot in this group. That would be Tommy Fleetwood at plus 450. You know, I look at Mita Pereira, and I was on him last week, and he missed the cut by a stroke. Mm-hmm. Very disappointing round, too, after a solid opening round at the U.S. Open. I've talked about Aaron Wise, how big a fan I am of his game right now and where it's trending. And then there's Keegs right there, the favorite of this group. Davis Riley is the guy here at four to one that I kind of look at and go, man, he's got some game. And when he, keeps doing it consistently, he might be a solid player here.
3: No, I think absolutely. And look, in, all, in full disclosure, Bradley's on my outright card for this week. I would not bet him necessarily at 250 to win the group, though, right. if you're just looking at number value. And if I didn't have anything already bet pre-tournament, Davis Riley would actually be the guy I would look at at 4-1. A lot of people I respect tipping Davis Riley this week, and I think for very good reason. Remember, he lost that Valspar playoff earlier this year to Sam Burns. This is a guy that killed it on the Corn Ferry Tour Man. for basically the last two years. Still looking for his first win, but you look. He was fifth down in Mexico. He was ninth at the Byron Nelson. T13 at the PGA. A guy that didn't have a lot of major championship experience. T4 at the Charles Schwab. T13 at the Memorial. Very respectable at the U.S. Open. Probably deserved better faded a little bit in the final round. T31 at the U.S. Open in tough conditions for a guy that hasn't played very That's many, right. if any, U.S. Opens. So very respectable. And you, you look at this, uh, I believe he has missed uh, three cuts out of 15 events this year, and two of them were earlier in the season in February and March. So this is a guy that's really peaking right now. Davis Riley, I think, would be the value if you're just going to bet group C. And I kind of like this a little bit, too, because if you ever listen to or, or watch our NASCAR show on Thursday, Gone Racing, a lot of the things that they have are to bet groups. Yes. And you got like four or five drivers in a group. And this is a way to do this, maybe if you're just starting to get golf betting and you don't want to necessarily bet outright wins. Wins or or you know if you're not oh. doing top fives or top tens this way obviously you've only got to beat four other guys in your group so pick the best player of the group I think that this is a very interesting way to bet golf I'm glad BetMGM and a couple others have this up because you know you want to have more creative ways to do it no other doubt. than okay just a tournament matchup or just an outright future you want to have more top fives top tens groups and you know different categories in which you can cash nice tickets
2: absolutely love. A- this concept here that BetMGM has. Uh, Not all books have this available, but this is certainly a pretty solid way to go about it. Let's go to Group D very quickly here because there is a name here that sticks out to me, and it's a negative connotation on a Sunday, and that would be HV3. Harold Varn of the 3rd. If I could do this over 56 holes, Mm -hmm. I might back him at plus 350. But over 72 is where the problem lies because Sundays have been tough for him on the PGA Tour. Brian Harmon, I had him last week. I don't know if he's finished yet. The lefty over there at the United States Open, he just collapsed mightily. Here's the smallest favorite, and then you got, you know, Brendan Todd, kind of short off the tee, but straight. Danny McCarthy, DMV zone, boy, yeah. oh boy, as you noted, he can putt. And right now it feels like the hottest golfer. Yeah, in a group. lot of
3: people are tipping him this week and, you know, but for, and for good reason with the putting, but that's sometimes the problem is McCarthy's really good putting, but maybe not so much tee to green. The one future I played on the board this week, and I played him about 66 to one, and he's currently at 333 in this group, Brendan man of steel, ah. uh, really good form here, by the way, third in 2011, 13th and 13, fifth and 2014, uh, sixth last year in 2020. And he's been, you know, on a decent little streak. Yeah. Yeah, uh, four top 13 finishes in his last six starts. So Brendan Steele playing very good golf. Kind of a horse for course. Really good driver of the golf ball. He would be my choice of those five.
2: Cannot wait. I love it every week in the PGA Tour. And Wes always look forward to doing our shows on Sundays. We bring it home for all those golf backers out there uh, in the betting space. When we come back, let's talk a little bit more Major League Baseball. Come on back. It is Visa and these sports betting Now.
6: Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart.
7: Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen.
2: It is time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM is all of your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted ad specials, and much, much more. Download the BetMGM after today or stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID to open up an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call one 800 522 4,700 back alongside West Reynolds. I am Dave Ross going to have Lou Finnecaro join us in the next segment. We'll talk a little Stanley cup as we get closer to game four tonight and also a pretty exciting UFC card. We're going to get back to major league baseball in just a second, but we look up and you found this Jay Monahan, the commissioner right now of the mm-hmm. PGA tour is speaking as we speak. And I saw here where he says, we do not expect to overcome this challenge, the live tour by relying on legacy alone. And you and I discussed this a little bit yesterday. And that kind of manifested itself in eight tournaments Uh, at the end of the year. They might be thrown out throughout the calendar year where $20 million is going to go to the winner. no cut events. They're going to try to change things up here on the PGA tour. And this is a direct result of what's happening with live golf. So this is a clear response by the PGA tour and Jay Monahan. And my one thing that, that I think is important for Jay Monahan as the commissioner and the the caretaker of the sport right now. That's what mm-hmm. you are as a commissioner, right? Roger Goodell, you know Adam Silver. Wherever you're a commissioner, it's to better the game. And the one problem that I foresee here with golf is if they make a hardline stance, don't let these live players play in either major championships because they didn't qualify with points, and or the Presidents Cup and the Ryder Cups. The marquee events of golf, Wes, you would be taking that away from the fans. So, all when you have eight of the top 50 now and live, we don't have to like it, but it's a reality. He's got to figure out a way and massage this in a way, Wes, that we still see the marquee players. At the marquee events.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a, you know, a double-edged sword here because you not only got to look out for your players, but you also got to look out for your sponsors as well. And there was something I, I believe sent out in the memo this morning the policy board apparently has improved, the PGA Tour policy board approved uh, some raising prize money for some high-profile events. So, like, Genesis Invitational next year, $12 million was the prize pool this year. It's going to be $20 million next year. The Players' Championship, $25 million up from $20 million. Uh, the Memorial, $20 million up from $12 million. So, they're trying to raise these prize money because they know that's why these guys are going over there for money. You know, Greg Norman, I don't think it's just about the money that he is getting from the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, I think it's also about revenge. Oh, he's got the fact that he tried to start one of these world golf tours in 1995, and Tim Fincham, the then PGA Tour commissioner, cut out his legs because Mm -hmm. then they started those WGCs, those World Golf Championships, which were no cuts, smaller field events, top players, boatload of money. So, you know, you've got to, you know, I understand why they're raising the prize money, but you've also got to look out for all of your sponsors, and you are going to risk some of the sponsors are like, hey, we kind of got some disappointing fields here. Like, if you're the Rocket Mortgage Classic in Detroit or the 3M Open in Minneapolis uh, and St. Paul, it's like, we're not getting all these guys here. We're kind of stuck in the summer in between the U.S. Open and the Open Championship. So you're never going to be able to please everybody, but you've got to do right by your sponsor entitlements here. And, you know... They're going to be like, hey, dude, we stuck with you guys during the pandemic. You know, when we had no fans out Where's here your we stuck with you, you know, you got to kind of take care of us, too. And it's just such a hard job to keep everybody happy.
2: It really is. And it, it, we are at a crossroads in, in the world of, of golf. There's no doubt about that. And the only thing, you know, I look at it kind of from both sides of it to, to try to really get the best perspective possible. And one side of me says, loyalty matters. I totally understand that. And the other side says, you don't have a contract. You, know, you're, you are not a contracted employee of the PGA tour. The mm-hmm. PGA tour has requirements in order to play in the PGA tour and you have to play X number of events. So part of me says, well, if the players a- adhere to the rules stated by the PGA tour and they play the X number of events, why as independent contractors, would they not be allowed to play? Not just live golf, but other tours that are out there as well. So I, I wonder if Jay Monahan, if they ever thought about, well, let's just make them contracted employees. You and I are in a contract. We, we, we are here and we are, we have parameters that we have to meet in order for our employment to happen. You're mm-hmm. decent. Why not golf go that way and say, so, okay, we'll take the guesswork out of it and we'll make you contracted employees so that we don't have this gray area where right. you're kind of a free agent. You know, Greg Norman says we're bringing free agency to golf.
3: It's well, all right. Yeah, it's already kind of been there, to be it's honest been with you. It's been there.
2: It's always been free agency. Like, we talk about with baseball, you know, you go back to the 1970s when you finally, you know, you had free agency for players that came into it instead mm-hmm. of having the the owners have full rule over the player. That changed baseball forever. Yeah. I wonder if golfers are just saying, hey, we're, we're just actually now, we're not acting as contracted employees. We're actually acting as free agents because that's what are.
3: Well and one of the things here that's going to you know even get worse maybe before it's going to get better is it's getting personal obviously between these two entities of course Jay Monahan does his media address here at the Travelers Championship at Hartford and like two minutes into his media availability comes the official release that Brooks Koepka is going ahead and joining uh, the Live Golf Tour so yeah this is petty and this is very personal and I think this is going to get more personal I mean Monahan was asked about it he's like he's been and a Wonderful and tremendous PGA Tour player. I hope that continues. And then Live Golf, of course, sends that release. And wow. now I get the tweet on the Twitter machine. So uh, this is getting more wow. divisive than it's going to get unified here anytime soon. It is,
2: again, this is real time, people. And, you know, we, we have to update odds because when guys like Brooks Kepka leave tournaments and now leave tours, that does change price points, too. Mm-hmm. So it's not, you know, it's not just us selfishly. It, it does affect the markets as well. But this is fascinating. And I just look up and I see Jay Monaghan. Uh, basically saying when someone attempts to buy the sport, that partnership evaporates. Right. Whoa. I mean, when someone attempts to buy the sport, that's the charge by Jay Monahan. So, you know, one side's going to say, hey, this is free agency, and we're trying to really let golfers have freedom. And the other side looks at it and says, no, you're, you're trying to take over yes. a hostile takeover of the sport of golf. The only tentacle that I could see here is that, I don't know if it could ever happen to the NFL. I don't know if it could ever happen to the NBA or to Major League Baseball. But I don't think anybody saw this coming. I don't think anybody saw six months ago, four months ago, that we'd be talking about a hostile takeover Mm -hmm. of a major sport Mm -hmm. in the, not just the American landscape, but the world landscape. And golf is a global game. So we'll try to keep you updated here as the events break. But this is happening in real time Right now, let's get back to Major League Baseball here. There are a couple other games on the docket that I wanted to pick your brain about. One of them is the Battle of the Beltway back in my old stomping grounds in the DMV, where you have the Nationals taking on the Orioles. And Patrick Corbin had been a guy that you just say, you know what? You got to fade Corbin, right? The Nats have had a couple of those type pitchers this year that you Mm -hmm. might look at and say, I'm going to fade Patrick Corbin. Do you do it today? Small dogs on the road as they go north in the DMV and play up in Baltimore.
3: I have not done it yet. I, I mean, I may end up doing that. But Patrick Corbin, and it it's kind of hard to back him a little bit right now, has fallen on some hard times. Uh, you look at uh, the batting average balls and play against him. I think he's 313 in his career, 363 this year. Oh that, that's that's not just bad luck. No, you know, because sometimes that stat managers or measures luck, but that's bad pitching. The strand rate, he's only stranding 59% of the runners, 72% over his career. So maybe he's doing a little positive regression, but. But, but boy, oh, boy, he's got a lot of room, I think, to really improve. And you look at Tyler Wells for Baltimore, numbers, you know, kind of okay, basically, for Tyler Wells. Uh, 362 on the ERA, 471 on the XFIP. He limits hard contact, doesn't really strike a lot of guys out. Mm-hmm. But one of the things he does, uh, I found this to be interesting, he generates more pop-ups of any starter in the big leagues of any pitcher. I think 18.4% of his outs are pop-ups. So this is a guy that doesn't really strike out a lot of guys, but he only walks very few guys too. 5% walk rate. So that's why you're seeing, I don't think it's just because of Corbin struggles. I think Tyler Wells has been kind of a steady Eddie for the Baltimore Orioles who Mm -hmm. let's be honest, are not very good, but they're not like the drag of humanity (laughs) that they've been in the major league baseball the last few years, 30 and 39 that's responsible respectable when you're in maybe the toughest division in baseball when you've got four really good teams, Yankees, Rays, uh, Blue Jays, Red Sox ahead of you, and to still be 30 and 39. So maybe the Orioles, there's something to that when they play against a little bit lesser competition that they can go ahead and rise. It's tough to lay 145 with the team that you're not used to doing that, though, that probably hasn't been a favorite very often. So if I were to actually bet this, I don't know if I would want to lay that for the full game. I would want to maybe look first five if that's how you want to fade Patrick Corbin. Looked first five and laid the same price instead of going deep in the game when all of a sudden the bullpens come into play. So if I'm playing this, O's oh, first five for me.
2: Yeah, you know, the fight in Tim Murray's does a great job in the nightcap with Sean King. Nats guy, but also kind of pseudo Orioles guy. And the reason why that exists is old-timers like me, when we were up in, in the DMV, there were there was no Washington Nationals. So mm-hmm. Still, you look at it here as they came in the mid-2000s here, still a relatively new franchise. So they've tried to make this a rivalry, but I feel like most people in the DMV kind of root for both of them yeah. because there's enough distance. It's not like they're in the same city like the Metropolitans and the Yankees We're Met fans, we don't root for them. Well, Yankees.
3: they're not getting a lot of wins there in in, in the DMV, not, so not uh, maybe looking forward to football season as their owner gets <laughs> called to be testified before Congress. Whoa, yeah,
2: an interesting day in D.C. to be sure. When we come back, Lou Finnecaro is going to join the program. We'll talk some puck and a sneaky good UFC card. Come on back. It's Visa and the Sports Betting Network. summer special is here. For only $19, you get everything VEASAN has to offer from now to the end of July. Sign up today. You're going to get VEASAN's daily best bets, including Adam Burke's daily MLB best bets, NFL preseason coverage, premium articles on golf, UFC, USFL, and NASCAR. If you want the full VEASAN experience, which features a daily best bets email, every edition of Point Spread Weekly, use of our betting tools, and a live video stream whenever you want it, the cost is only $19 to be a subscriber through July 31st. So sign up now at VEASAN.com. Slash Summer, back alongside West Reynolds, and every time I say summer, I just think of Karate Kid, mm-hmm. "Cruel, Cruel Summer," Banana Rama. It's,
3: it's going to be a cruel summer as it gets back over one hundred and five this weekend. It's going to be Vegas.
2: hot. You know, it's not only hot here in Las Vegas; it's hot. In Phoenix, Arizona. We're our next guest. Lou Finnecaro joins the program. As always, follow him on Twitter, at GAM Lou. It's great to have Lou back in the program. Uh, Lou, let's talk a little puck before we get to this sneaky good UFC card. Because I know you've been locked in uh, to the Stanley Cup Finals. And certainly throughout the playoffs. Look, I, I liked, I backed Tampa Bay when they were down one nothing. I did not jump back in after that 7 nothing debacle in game two. Kind of wish I had. What do you make of what you've seen through the first three games and what do you anticipate tonight in game four?
5: Well, Dave, thanks uh, for you and Wes to have me on and share my insights with this. I've had kind of an inconsistent hockey playoff run, and for that reason, I didn't play any pre-flop. I wanted to watch and learn and make decisions, and I think that it w- really helped me with my perspective. I believe I see this in a confident way, fashion before game 2 i released colorado to win the series 4-1 and colorado that was plus 330 and colorado to win the series 4 games to 2 that was plus 380 i i felt that after a game two games i knew what i was looking at and after seeing three games i'm more confident that colorado i don't want to come across too confident I'm very confident in Colorado in this position. I think that Tampa's run out of juice, and what we saw in the last game was just enough to get hockey enthusiasts like myself who want to see six, seven games. I want to see Tampa succeed. We're looking at history, but none of that's coming down because I believe Colorado's going to run them off the ice.
3: So uh, Lou, uh, what we've seen so far this series are three overs through three games. Uh, game number four currently at six, but getting a little support for the under as it did last time, including mine didn't quite work out. So that's why I'm a little skittish about jumping back in, even though I'm starting to see minus a dollar twenty-five in a lot of different places in the market, including BetMGM. Uh, you know, Lou, do we finally get an under tonight? Where you know this is kind of the momentum shifter of the series. If Tampa Bay wins, they go back back out to Colorado and know basically we got to win one of two games in order to win this series based on how they've been playing at home so do you think we get more of the same high scoring even with all the injured players for both of these teams
5: I I think that we don't know and to just continue to take over is because they've been hitting isn't how I attack Hockey. Uh, I, I will tell you that my money is on Colorado, and that's where I'm going. If forced to make some position on the uh, total, I would go to five and a half and take it under. I think Kemper will start. There's, I mean, the other kid only started 16, 18 games this season. They're not putting him in there. They're not panicking. They're confident. This is going to be a, a game two situation, only it's going to be in Tampa.
3: Lou, uh, before we get to the UFC card, I know uh, you follow the College World Series and really the entire college baseball tournament very closely. We are down to the final four in Omaha. That will start here actually in about a little less than 30 minutes. It is Texas A&M against Oklahoma. Elimination game for the Aggies. Oklahoma off to a 2-0 start. And then the nightcap is going to be Arkansas against Ole Miss, who's continued their hot run. They were kind of a Cinderella to start the tournament there, 2-0. So an elimination game for the Hogs. Anything on these two games today in Omaha?
5: Yeah, uh, these are going to be great games. I'll tell you that in the Oklahoma situation, they've decided to take their ace hurler. They have one of the top 12 hurlers in the tournament. He's going to be set aside in case they have to play another game. That means Oklahoma goes to depth at pitching, which they don't have much of. They're also the least ranked team fielding and batting average. Uh, I think those are all poor uh, taints towards Oklahoma, and I, I really think that A and M can compete with them and uh, give them a run for two games. Talk with
2: Lou Finicaro again. Can follow Lou at on Twitter at Gam Blue, and also is, does a great job as the host of the Bout Business podcast. And shameless plug, joins me each week on um, First Strike here, in and Vison. does a great job as we try to break down the cards each and every week. And, Lou, I'm looking at the main event for Tarzuki and against Gamrod here, and uh, I know we're going to talk about this more in depth on Friday, but what am I missing here on a Wednesday with Gamrot being a solid, almost plus 250 dog that I'm seeing? And it seems like the money's coming in so far early in the week on, Tar- on Tarzuki and uh, is this the right way to go here? Do you think the
5: juice is being steamed for a reason? Well, if you've watched Shuruki and fight, the guy is unbelievable. And his only blemish has been a short notice fight against Makachev that was a decision and it was close. And he's salivating to get back at Makachev. Mm-hmm. And the only guy that wants him back at Makachev worse than him is me because he's going to kick Makachev's rear end. This kid. <laughs> This kid's the real deal, and he can't find anyone to fight him. Uh, uh, out of Poland comes this Mateusz Gamrot, who is very competent. He's a he's a top 15 fighter in the division, no question, and he's going to step up and see what he can do. Six years older, but he's 31 and at his prime. Uh, at the end of this, uh, I really think, Dave, that Gamrot's getting a little bit uh, – I don't want to say disrespected, but his price is getting too high. Yes. That said, I'm not certain if I'm prepared to, to gamble on him. I may try and find some other slick way to approach this fight. Lou
3: Coleman here, a welterweight bout. It is uh Shavkat Rachmanov, who is uh, a very good prospect, by the way, out mm-hmm. of Uzbekistan, 15 and zero, and he's getting kind of a name fighter that I think, you know, more than casual fight enthusiasts would know, and that would be Neil Magny. And uh, look, Neil Magny, even though he is uh, 34 years old, still winning fights, uh, already got a split decision, went over Max Griffin earlier this year. But when I look at this, Lou, it does look like okay. We got this undefeated prospect. We want to put him against a name veteran fighter that we think we could beat. Do you kind of share those same sentiments?
5: Yeah, I don't. I don't know that the UFC is really trying to do that to Magny. That said, Magny is in somewhat of a gatekeeper position, as you indicate, Wes. And, you know, his loss to Kiesa a couple back is what really put him in that role. And it seems like when he gets a top-end pressure fighter that grapples, which is, oh, by the way, Rachmanov, he wilts. That's what Kiesa did to him. This uh, Rachmanov is is going to have his way with Magny, may not finish him, uh, but, it, but he's going to have his way. This is a one-sided decision this Rachmanov and the other kid Kamzat Chimeyev, they're heading for a head-on mm. collision and that's another one we'll, where we will get a price on Rachmanov and he's up to the task.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And again, I'm with you guys on that handicap, too. Talked a little bit about it on First Strike First Look yesterday. And you can attack the over there in this potential three-round matchup in the co-made event because I'm with you, Lou. I do think Neil Magny, he could get wrestled, but I don't know that he's going to be able to be submitted. The over right now, two and a half, you can get get plus money at that right now plus a dollar five so that might be a better value way to play that fight you know when I look down the card here and you see uh Nurmagomedov on the card you go oh boy here we go again we know what we're gonna get here you're gonna have to lay a thousand minus a thousand right now against Nate Maness here is there any live dog scenario or do you think Umar is gonna do what we expect Umar to do and that is wrestle ground and pound and get an easy victory come Saturday night
5: Another fight we're going to have to look at props and totals in because Nurmagomedov of all the people in the camp ahead of Makachev is this Nurmagomedov, this kid's a real deal. And Manis is no slouch. Mm-hmm. He's This guy's a competent, good top 25 fighter. Uh, he's just made a, a, a real tough draw for himself. And uh, those are, you know, uh, of those three fights, The only real dog worth salivating over comes in the main event because I don't think that Magni, nor in this situation, we have a dog that can compete.
2: Very quickly here, got about a minute to go here with Lou Finnecaro. You know, you got a boom Kelleher early on in this card as a small dog here. You got some other big names, Holly and Paiva's on this card as well. Is there any other fight that's really stood out to you, Lou, that maybe is a little bit off the beaten path?
5: Yeah, uh, Paiva Morozov's an interesting fight. Uh, Paiva could be live. He he tends to be inconsistent, but he's going to have a lot of physical attributes and athleticism over the other guy. And Mario Bautista is going to beat uh, Brian Kelleher as a short favorite. All right, sorry for boom. All right, thirty seconds to go. Tell people what they get when they tune in each and every
2: week to the Bout Business Podcast.
5: Bout Business Podcast is a business platform where we broadcast each week our final fight releases for the UFC, and we hope that you'll tune in dave and west thanks so much for having me on there you he bet, is america lou, thank you lou Finicaro, can't wait to see you on friday for first
2: strike uh, he's the best when we come back we will break down everything else going on in the crazy world of sports including golf and baseball it is based in the sports betting network
6: from bbc radio
1: 4 britain's biggest paranormal podcast
4: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
7: Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts.
6: <sighs>
7: Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's leesa.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write.
2: MGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you're going to earn BetMGM Rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like free bets and risk-free tokens. Planning a trip to Vegas will come on out. Convert those BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points that you can use towards dining shows and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM resort properties located in the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. BetMGM Rewards is sports betting's premier loyalty program featuring exclusive offers, incredible experiences, and valuable perks when you wager in the BetMGM app. Sign up with BetMGM or log on today to get an even bigger piece of the action with BetMGM Rewards. Eligible restrictions do apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Please gamble responsibly if you have a problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Back alongside Wes Reynolds, I am Dave Ross as we wrap up another fine edition of the Lombardi Line here on Visa. And I look up. I think the press conference in Hartford Mm -hmm. has just ended Mm -hmm. with Jay Monahan, the commissioner of the PGA tour. You know, we've been doing this show. It's been almost an hour here, maybe at least over a half hour. And I know he met with the players yesterday privately. And from what my sources indicate, there are a lot more questions that were unanswered from that press conference yesterday. Maybe this was Jay Monahan's way of answering them today. Mm -hmm. We'll find out what we can glean through the Twitter machine and and other places, but... You know, it felt like a really lengthy address for another State of the Union from golf.
3: Yeah, he's got to go finally wrap it up and get some lunch uh, because (laughs) one of the things that fascinates me is there's a different food that's a national day. It seems like every day, 365 days a year. Did you know today is National Onion Ring Day, Dave Ross?
2: Well, that makes me want to go to Outback and get a Bloomin' Onion. Right,
3: or right here at the fine Delmar Deli here at the South Point. Mm. Get you some nice onion rings, a nice sandwich.
2: So wait, today is National onion ring day.
3: Yes, it is. Okay.
2: So th- there's only, do, do you do the onion rings? Do you have to dip it in sauce for you or can you just eat them
3: no, raw? No, I, I got to go with the ketchup. I got to go with the ketchup with the onion rings.
2: You put ketchup yes. on your onion rings?
3: I do. What well, about, I like, don't you, put them on. I, I put it to the side. You dip it. Yes.
2: Unlike Kyle Moore. Yeah, I'm a dipper. Dip puts the milk in first and then the cereal. Yes.
3: Second.
2: Very odd. By the way, speaking of, uh, of events. 38 years ago today, this was just tweeted at me at D Sports. The Karate Kid came out. Now, I talked a little bit about this with Scott Seidenberg last night. If you were to lay odds on the Cobra Kai's, okay, mm-hmm. there is no way that Johnny is the small favorite, nor Bobby. It's Dutch. Dutch would be the kid that mm-hmm. should have kicked Daniel Larusso's ass. He
3: was the one that was the the kind of like curly, yeah, little curly, curly hair. blonde hair. Now I they believe- fought,
2: and then somehow. Daniel won yeah. with the front kick. If you're by the way,
3: that. Dutch uh, was played by Chad McQueen, yes, he the was. son of the legendary, Steve iconic McQueen. Steve McQueen. So, yeah, I think McQueen actually had some some uh, martial arts training, if I'm not mistaken. He looked uh, fantastic in that movie. Guy that was in some action movies and obviously became a car racer. Of course, Steve McQueen. Part of the legendary movie, Le Mans, oh. which was out in the early 1970s. So, yeah, I would go with you. I think, like, in a shoot, what we call it, like, if it's for real, that's a pro wrestling term. Yeah. Like, in a shoot, like, in an actual fight, I would absolutely take Chad McQueen as Dutch.
2: Again, it was a great typecasting. We're not saying that the, the characters are wrong in the Cobra Kai's. They just said the wrong – like, he Dutch should have been the guy in the finale, but but like, Zap, not Johnny. But,
3: but Zabka did play. William Zapka did play a good like a uh, you know mo- movie nineteen eighties bully Dick. You know yeah, he, he really did. did in a lot of those. He movies. That role. I think he was actually better in Back to School. He's fantastic as Chaz Osborne uh, <laughs> uh, against uh, Thornton Mellon's son.
2: Remember he's checking. He's doing this before he gets on the high jump. Yes. Uh, all I know about Johnny, and this is the part that I don't understand, because now we've had Cobra Kai has come out on, on Netflix. It's become, you know, almost like a second life of the the original, which came out 38 years ago today. And I know what you're thinking. I'm not even 38. So how did I see it in the theaters? It's almost impossible if you do the math. <laughs> but I will say this. If you remember the last scene, spoiler alert, Johnny loses. He he says to, to Daniel as he hands him the trophy. It's, one of the last, it's almost the last line of the movie. You're all right, LaRusso. Mm-hmm. Then why the angst for so many years to spawn Cobra Kai? Like, if he came to a moment where he's like, I appreciate the fact that Daniel won fair and square with the bad leg, the bad knee. He came out and he beat me, right? Mm-hmm. You're all right, LaRusso. Then why would his life have been ruined? And that's the whole hypothesis of Cobra Kai.
3: Right. Well, that's the point of having a two-hour-plus movie. you got to have the happy ending at the end. And then they went to part two, and John Kreese uh, accosted uh, poor Johnny in the parking lot like, you're a loser, man. John Kreese uh, didn't let that grudge die.
2: uh, Some people think I take this too seriously. Maybe. Let's get back to a little bit of some baseball that we have on the docket for today. We talked a little bit about it in the first hour. Uh, with Steve, and that is you look at the Braves and you could have ridden that losing streak from the Bravos and found that to be very profitable. Steve Mackin's got great numbers uh, up right now in Points Spread Weekly. Charlie Morton back in the bump against Carlos Rodon of the G-Men and the Gigantes who now look like they're not going to lose again. I, it's, it's hard to figure out the Giants. Mm-hmm. Will the real Giants please stand up? Beginning of the year look like, boy, they're going to be the Giants that we saw last year fight to the death, right. and then they hit this swoon and it looks like they're back and found their their even footing again. What do you make of the GMN, and do you like them today against Charlie Morton?
3: Yeah, uh, Carlos Rodon certainly continuing his good numbers. He had that career year, of course, in Chicago. Now in a more pitcher-friendly park out in San Francisco, even though they're on the road tonight. This is an interesting game because Charlie Morton – is a guy called Charlie my favorite Morton he was really one of my favorite pitchers to bet on over the last few years hadn't really been his self until last uh, Friday when he struck out nine Cubs and seven scoreless innings on the road so starting to get those K numbers up a little bit but he does allow a little bit too much hard contact does Charlie Morton you know the barrel weight the ground ball rate is not what it usually is and Mm -hmm. that's why Charlie Morton is so effective because he gets those ground balls you know nice easy innings doesn't really get hit all over the yard, but yet his ground ball rate is down by several percent so far this season. So I don't know yet if Charlie Morton is kind of, you know, coming back to Leveled old out. form, yep. whereas Carlos Rodon. The slider is still fantastic. He had that one bad game against St. Louis who really hit lefties well as about as well as anybody in the league. But you look, Rodone's given up two or less runs in 11 of his 12 starts this year. The Reds got three on him. Cardinals tagged him for eight, you know, so he really had one bad outing. If you take that outing out, his numbers that are even good now are a lot better. Atlanta, pretty darn good against left-handed pitching, but you know Carlos Rodon I think might be a different bird here and I want to wait and see this is probably one I'm going to sit out on because these are two pitchers I actually like to back I want to see if Charlie Morton if that's real in terms of returning back to his form striking out more guys if he can get his ground ball rate up a little bit so I don't know if that was kind of an outlier hmm. with the one good startup at Wrigley against the Cubs so this one I'm probably going to sit out but I can imagine the Giants are probably going to get a lot of the money because Carlos Rodon's numbers have absolutely been great
2: when you look at- at the AL Central. Surprise, surprise. It's not the White Sox that top the division. They're three and a half games back of both the Twins and the Guardians who face off today with Tristan McKenzie going up against Sonny Gray. And by the way, Sonny Gray, my buddy Tim Doyle, we've had on the program several times. It's an oxymoron, Sonny Gray.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It's either Sonny or so? Gray. Well, it can't be Sonny. Oh! and. It can't be Sunny and Gray. Yeah,
3: you got to wake up pretty early to fool me, even though that went right <laughs> over my head like an idiot. But nevertheless.
2: <laughs> so I wonder, do you back Sonny Gray at home today? You got to lay $1.50 if you want to do so. Or do you like McKenzie- on the ROAD ad plus a dollar
3: Yeah. By the way, that is Tristan McKenzie, not our old buddy here at Vison Trivian McKenzie, Trivian. who used to be uh, one of our crack staff, our production staff here at Vison But yeah, Guardians and Twins uh, going on tonight. Kenzie's been okay. Uh, He's been maybe a little bit lucky with the batting average balls in play. That's at a paltry 195. So you worry maybe that there's going to be a little regression, but there also might be regression for Sonny Gray. 209 in Minnesota, So because he was with Cincinnati last year, obviously a little more pitcher-friendly, mm-hmm. I think, up there in Minnesota. But his XFIP's about a run higher for him. So what I would be looking at here is actually the over at 8.5. And, and it's pretty much 8.5 across the board. I think you got to lay an extra five cents right now at Bet MGM so 115, but there are some minus 110s out there. That's what I would be looking at. I just think that there's a slightest regression coming for both McKenzie and Sonny Gray.
2: Very quickly, the Angels in a wild game last night where Shohei Otani had eight ribs, mm-hmm. two bombs, and they still lose to the Royals. I, I can't figure out the Angels at all. And I got to be honest, I'm almost tired trying to figure them out year to year, yeah. right? Shohei is on the bump today. You got to lay over $2 if you want to back them very quickly. Is that price tag too steep for you?
3: It is. And look, uh, the the Royals are not very good. They're one of the worst teams in baseball. It is going to be Daniel Lynch going for them, a left-hander for Kansas City. But Yeah, nothing for me here. I I can't lay this with Otani off that game. And look, the Angels continuing to struggle. Five games under 500. We know that they've had some injuries. Rendon out for the rest of the year. So it's like, how much can they carry these guys? This is a pass for me.
2: Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. Year in and year out, when you look at the MVP odds in the American League, if it's, you know, Aaron Judge is the favorite right now. Two and three on the Angels. Five games under 500. Go figure. Wes, always enjoy the conversation, Good to be my with friend. Uh, certainly want to thank Steve McInan for joining us and Lou Finicero as well. Don't go anywhere. Got you covered all here uh, afternoon, evening long on the network. It is VEASAN, the sports betting network.
7: work.